0: sound Prince audio magazine a production of the kentucky council of the blind sound Prince is underwritten by the american printing house for the blind and the louisville downtown lions club i'm carla rushable i'm your host for this week's magazine welcome to sound Prince for the week of november 7 2021 this first announcement is from kim Charlson from the talking book library at perkins There's a new CDC COVID-19 vaccine guidance document available. Kim has available free braille copies of a new publication from the CDC entitled COVID-19 Vaccination Guidance. This one-volume publication focuses on information about the vaccines and vaccine safety. To obtain a free braille copy, please send your name and mailing address to Kim k-i-m, dot charlson, c-h-a-r-l-s-o-n, at perkins, p-e-r-k-i-n-s, dot o-r-g. The Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired in Owensboro invites everyone to its November meeting on Tuesday, November 9, from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time, 2 to 4 Eastern, on the KCB Zoom Line. Barry Carver from MountainCrafted.com in Tennessee will share his compelling story about his adjustment to losing his vision. The meeting will also include highlights and updates on the KCB Conference and Convention coming up from November 16 to November 21. To join the call, dial 669-900-6833 and enter the code 862 988-96972. Nine eight eight nine six nine seven two. The South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind, KCV's newest chapter in Bowling Green, holds its social hour each Wednesday afternoon from two to three p.m. Central Time, three to four p.m. Eastern on Zoom. This week's topic, on November ten, is Leader Dogs. A speaker will participate from Leader Dogs and will. Answer your questions concerning their Mobility Program and their Guide Dog Program. Join the call by dialing 669-900-6833 and entering the code seven six three six eight nine four four one one. 689 4411 The passcode, should you need it, is 25852. The Kentucky Council of the Blind Next Generation Chapter, the chapter for members 40 and under, We'll meet on Thursday, November 11, at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the KCB Conference Line. The number is 669-900-6833, and the code is 862-9889-6972. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind and the Perkins Library are planning an evening filled with games, prizes, and fun we will be playing bingo on the Perkins Zoom line. To join the call, dial six six nine nine zero zero six eight three three, and enter the code 617 Press pound twice to be in the call. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its November board meeting on Saturday, November 13 at 11 a.m. on the KCB Zoom line. Six six nine nine zero zero six eight three three. Enter code eight six two nine eight eight nine six nine seven two. For a complete calendar of events sponsored by KCB and its chapters, visit our website at kentucky-acb.org and follow the events link. The annual meetings of KCB's four special interest chapters take place each year during the KCB conference and convention. All the chapters will elect officers at these meetings. Guide Dog users of Anna will meet at 7 on Tuesday, November 16, and Tri-State Library users will meet at 8.30 that same evening. The Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision meets on Wednesday, November 17, at 7, and KCB Next Generation will meet at 8. All meetings are on Zoom. And, as has been true at past conventions, registration is required to participate. The chapters will have elections at the meetings and voting will take place in the Zoom meeting. A telephone option for voting will be available to accommodate those who cannot vote by Zoom. And speaking of registration, you can still register for the convention. Registration lets you participate in the Zoom Calls so that you can ask questions of the presenters. You'll be able to win door prizes, including cash, gift cards, and the big door prize is a laptop or desktop computer, winner's choice, donated by Computers for the Blind, with the winner being drawn at the virtual banquet on Saturday evening. Other convention activities include the Top 40 auction on Friday evening, November 19. Lots of candy, cookies, holiday bread, technology, gift items, and collectibles are sure to cause a bidding frenzy. Registration after November 8 is $30. For more information and to register, call KCB at 502-895-4598. We accept Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and American Express. Next week's sound prints will contain the complete convention schedule, and a preview of the auction items. We will also have details on all the ways you can listen to the convention and we will review other convention-related information posted on our email list during the past few weeks. Deb Cook-Lewis, ACB's new First Vice President, will be our convention keynote speaker on Thursday evening the 18th and Kenneth Simeon Sr., Newly elected member of the ACB Board of Directors and past president of ACB of Texas, is our speaker at the Jim Shaw High Voltage Banquet on Saturday evening, November 20. You've met both Deb and Kenneth on sound prints before, but we want to reintroduce you to them. Meet Deb on page 2 and Kenneth on page 3. Here is a news schedule Listing the times when sound prints is heard on ACB Media 1, formerly ACB Radio Mainstream. Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, Monday 8 a.m. Eastern, Tuesday 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday at 4 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern, Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern, and Friday at 1 a.m., 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern. As always, we welcome your comments and suggestions for future shows. Give us a call at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org.
1: Page two. With me today is Deb Cook-Lewis, and some of you will recognize that name because Deb was Instrumental in helping us with our virtual Kentucky Council of the Blind Convention last year. She's played a major role in ACB radio for a long time, and she's also been the chair of the ACB Board of Publications for several years. Deb was on Sound Prints uh, oh, some time ago. Um, I think, Deb, while you were still treasurer of the Washington Council of the Blind, Mm -hmm. but it's it's been quite a long time, and we have a lot of new listeners. So uh, Deb is the new first vice president of the American Council of the Blind, and she's with us today. I want her to kind of introduce herself to our listeners, and then we'll chat a little bit about where she uh, would like to see ACB go and what she would like to accomplish in her term as first vice president so welcome Deb we're so glad you're here well thank you so much Carla it's great to be back on sound Prince and I do remember doing this before and I can't remember what all we talked about totally then but it's always good to kind of refresh some things as you say that's and right we enjoyed working with the uh, Kentucky Council of the Blind last year on your convention and hope to do it again with you this year so um, lots of fun, all kinds of good things going on. Let's see, I'm retired. I retired from, I live in Washington State. I live right where in the corner, the southeast corner of the state where Washington, Oregon, and Idaho all come together. And uh, nothing big here uh, that anybody would care about. But um, basically, um, I live in on the Washington State side of the river. And um, have been active for many, many years in the Washington Council of the Blind, and I'm also um, active nationally <clears throat> with uh, guide dog users. And I retired in 2018. I went. I came on the ACB Board of Publications. Um, yeah, Board of Publications in 2016 as an elected member. It has uh, three elected members and two appointed members, and and I was appointed to chair in 2019. But I started. Um, working with the BOP in 2016, and um, retired from the state of Washington in 2018, where I had actually worked for uh, about 40 years, both for the Department of Services for the Blind and for the University of Washington. And sometimes simultaneously, uh, sometimes I was half-time with each, and some of the time I was full-time with one or the other of them. And I actually went back and forth over the whole time between them, and a little bit of time with the Department of Social and Health Services as well. So, a lot of time in state government doing a whole lot of different things, a lot of which were technology related. Um, but especially when I was with the university, there was uh, there were some research projects and some other things. And I have a background in VOC rehab as well. So, done lots of different things over the years, and had hoped to wait till I was retired to actually get more sort of politically active in an organization, but uh, that opportunity came a little bit sooner than retirement, so I shoved it all in (laughs) during the last couple years of working. Um, Well, in 2016, weren't you uh, a J.P. Morgan leadership fellow? Yes, I was.
2: So So that got you
1: to the convention. Yeah, and I had been to lots of conventions, but I hadn't been in a long time because I'd had some personal life things in the way. I cared Mm -hmm. for... um, my housemate who was terminally ill for three years, and so I wasn't going anywhere. And I had a number of other things going on, so I hadn't actually been to a convention in a while, although I used to go to them all, um, but I hadn't been in a while. I had been active at the state level, and so they encouraged me to apply for the J.P. Morgan Chase. I was surprisingly selected for that, and so one of the commitments that I had made when I went to the conference is I need to come away from here with something to do. Now, I didn't expect it to be anything really big, but I need to come away. I need to come away with something to do. If the organization is going to invest in me, then I need to invest in it. And so, I did definitely come with a commitment to find something. So, uh, the actual story as this goes is that we were all sitting in our delegations and. They were going through announcing the um, nominations from that had been worked through the nominations committee, and the Board of Publications had some gaps. And I was sitting next to Denise Colley, who at that time was chair of the Board of Publications but was going to be running for the board, and or was running for the board, had announced mm-hmm. that she was doing this. She was leaving the BOP, which was going to even make this tougher for the BOP, I commented just kind of casually to Denise. I said, that would be very, very interesting. I think I would really enjoy doing that sometimes. She goes, how about now? (laughs) Sounds like Denise. (laughs) I said, "Uh, well, I wasn't planning on that. I've got two more years to go till I retire. And she said, well, yeah, but, you know, it's not that hard. I mean, you can sort of choose how much you take on, which is always (laughs) true. So I said, well, I'll think about that. And so then about a half hour, and we were breaking up for this. She said, have you thought about that? <laughs> so I said, well, you know, she goes, let's go talk to Ron Brooks. He's probably going to become the chair. Let's go talk to him. So she did not come and say I was thinking about it. She said, Deb's going to be running for the BOP. Well, <laughs> <That's laughs> great, he said. <laughs> so that's basically kind of how it happened. And so I was on a little bit of a daze. That was kind of how the adventure began, and I really did enjoy it. And when Ron finished his term, and they were deciding what to do about the fact that he had been the chair, he had done such an excellent job. It was pretty natural for me to take it on, and so I I did that. That that's kind of how that all came about. But yes, I did commit to doing something to help the organization when I came. And they found well, some. You do. You were a good follow up for Ron because. Ron's the way Ron ran the BOP was to begin getting it really organized yes. into yes. into work into tasks mm-hmm. and and things that needed to be done and needed to be addressed every every time mm-hmm. at each meeting and and putting in right. the time yes. frames for things needed to be done right. yeah, and, and and yeah and so then you came along and had that same kind of view and mm-hmm. I mean that's, that's yeah. been very obvious since then and all the work with ACB radio and the huge mm-hmm. amount of work with the ACB mm-hmm. convention and lining mm-hmm. things up. I mean it's mm-hmm. just organization task after organizational task, right. you know. Right, And so, that is kind of my strong yeah. suit. Um, it is. But I it mean, did that, really make it, it so much easier for the BOP because we weren't there. You uh, retired? in 2018. Have you always lived in Washington State? Um, Yes, I've lived all over the state. I've lived and worked in various parts of the state. Um, I wasn't actually born here, but I don't remember living elsewhere. My father was in the Navy and my parents were stationed in Massachusetts when (laughs) I was born. But very soon after I came, my father's um, enlisted time was completed and his big goal was to get back out here where he was from so that's what they did and drove across country and and they were here so my other sisters were all born in washington state but um, um i've lived all over the state and, um, it's kind of a varied state in terms of climate and geography and so it's not all the same everywhere um and i've lived and worked in various parts of the state um being kind of willing to be an adventurer i opened a state office in in a couple of different places where they wanted to do something um, and that kind of thing. So I've moved around, but I've always been here, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do do you have, um, other than all of the things that you're doing with the organizations and, and with work, do you have other hobbies? <laughs> I do have other things. It's true, the organization does take up a lot of my time. As Carla mm-hmm. mentioned, I, I've been working the last couple of years on the convention because of the virtual nature of it. Um, and um, before that, I actually did work on conventions very much behind the stage, uh, doing all those recordings that we do in the rooms so that we could you know, podcast some of the affiliate meetings and programs later. And so I actually um have been doing some of those things for a very long time, but it just changed its shape and then I've been very involved with a c b radio in general, and I've been involved with the other things that I do for the organization so that does take up a lot of my time. but I actually have some other things I do in the world uh I'm actually um chair of the Washington State Human Rights Commission, which is um a governor appointed position. It's really the highest civil rights position in the state of washington um and the commission uh, oversees the the director um, and oversees the processes of the commission we don't manage it on a day to day basis but we do oversee that and um so that doesn't take up as much time as acb does but every once in a while it does i have some activities with my church and it's kind of a divided thing I. Um, um, I have a church here, but I also still have a lot of connection to the church where I attended when we lived in Seattle, um, which is where I retired. And so, um, especially with all the COVID things, that church has done a lot online. So I've still maintained those connections with them uh, pretty nicely. So I have those activities as well. Um, And then my husband and I own a small internet radio station uh, that we manage together. He really does most of the work um, for the management thereof, but I do some. And so we it, um, it broadcasts 24-7, and we have some live shows, some of which are carried on ACB radio and some of which are not, but we um, do manage all of that. And it requires quite a bit of upkeep to make that all go. So we have that kind of as a hobby. So in general, um, I'm I'm pretty busy most of the time. I don't lack for anything to do. <laughs> in fact, if anything, I kinda go, Oh, you know, can we get rid of one of the toy bees? Um But you know, I, I've always really believed I, I kinda got from my mom that that if you want something done you should give it to a busy person because they're probably um, you know, unless they're just in chaos, they're probably more organized about that. And that's what I really try to do is to use my time well um, to to make it count for something. It doesn't mean that relaxing can't be part of that, but it's like not just, you know, postponing everything. Or I very much depend on my calendar. It, you know, it goes on my calendar so I can see how much I can manage at a time. And mm-hmm. so um, so I do actually, my husband thinks, that it's a little crazy. Cause he's like, you're supposed to be retired. And I'm like, Oh, I couldn't do this and work too. <laughs> <laughs> I had to retire because I didn't have time to work anymore, but at the same time you have so much to do. And then, you know, it always took up all my vacations. Well, now if I really want to do something about a vacation, I can still probably do both. So I, I really love being retired. I think it's great. And, um, Bush I had figured out to do it sooner. I was super fortunate. My office at the university where I worked the last several years that I was employed, we did a lot virtually. There was mm-hmm. no pandemic. There was no nothing going on to make us. Oh. But mm-hmm. we actually had a lot of worldwide relationships. Uh, one of our projects was based in India. And um, we also had some people who were doing some stuff in South Africa. And then we had some people doing some stuff in other parts of this country. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had people like me who just kind of wanted to work virtually. Um, So we just had a lot of different things going on. So we had – I came to ACB with a lot of experience in – Online activities, so I I knew uh, Zoom inside and out before we started the um, uh, before we started our pandemic things in ECB. Um, I knew some of the other technologies that we actually have not been using, some of which we could use for some things perhaps, but are, are not. But I knew many of them as well um, because of, of my employer, and so. When we began to start talking um, in the spring of 2020 about how we would um, try to shape things differently in ACB, it was a little easier for me probably than for a lot of people to envision what that might look like. But initially, I know, as we were having those meetings, they would say, well, what are we gonna do about this? And I'd say, well, um, you might do this. I mean, it was just usually based on something that i had experienced or observed you know from my coworkers and we had massive meetings we had meetings of 8 or 900 people sometimes that were not totally uncommon and kind of understanding sort of how some of those things might work i think was helpful to us and then as more people caught on to how that all worked and um and we began to build skill you know i didn't have to carry that but i think a little bit the first year i probably did carry a little more of it just because it was hard for people to picture, and how will we do that? You know, mm-hmm. and sometimes I was sort of guessing because you can guess based on things, or sometimes you just have to. You just it, people aren't at a place where you can just say, "I have no idea." So you try to have one, but <laughs> you try to have it based on what you've observed and seen. And I called my office a number of times. I said, "Hey, you guys, if you were going to do this, what would you do?" You know, because I, you know, I like didn't know. I think those things were all to be a big picture person I actually get a little bored with all the details sometimes that's a problem Um, but I tend to be a sort of a big picture person so I try to picture what the end result needs to look like and then go back from there so here's Mm -hmm. what it looks like when they're all sitting in the stands at the game but now how do we get the players on the field you know so then you go Mm -hmm. back to that because it's lovely to have that picture of everybody in the stands cheering but But if there's nobody playing the game, you know, then what would you do, right? Right. So you have to then work back from the end to uh, see how that goes. And and, uh, you have to be willing to take some risks. You have to be willing to be wrong sometimes. Holy mackerel, we should never have gone over there. But I think as an organization, we've learned a lot about this. That kind of brings me to another Another. area, and that is, okay, so – we couldn't have elections last year, so mm-hmm. we had a ton of offices to elect this oh, year. Oh, goodness, yes. I know. We <laughs> What did we wind up with, 14 or 13, something like that? 13 open positions, right. Mm-hmm. Yes, but then we had the extra one created. Yes, and we on had one created by, by by someone being appointed, by Katie Frederick right. being appointed. To, so that right. created a 14th, yes. Um. yeah. so that was the 14th position, mm-hmm. and the officers were actually being elected at the mm-hmm. in the correct year
2: 2021
1: right. yes. was the year to elect officers and so uh-huh. here we come up to this and we're getting ready to um have the candidates pages uh-huh. uh which the blp has posted um uh-huh. each year and they're always there and we can look at that ahead of time and and you'd come out and declare that you're going to run for first vice president. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you hadn't been on the ACB board before, but you'd done all of this great work with the mm-hmm. BOP mm-hmm. and ACB radio. So it's not as if nobody knew who you were, but tell us um, about what your view is as, as being first vice president, um, a little bit about maybe what prompted you to run and what your goals are as the first vice president of acb you know that's not just the same as just being a director it's not the same and that was one of the things that um when i decided uh, some people asked me to consider running Mm -hmm. and i said oh no that's that's not what i would like to do and and so you know i've been here before right when people come back so (laughs) that's why i told my story about Denise. so So people came back, and this time they sent more people. And they said, so we'd like to know how you're coming on thinking about that. And so (laughs) I I divulged my actual plan because I had a plan. I hadn't had one when, when we went for the BOP thing, but I do have one, right? So I said, I do have a plan. It's not this. So I said, my plan is that I will, assuming that I'm asked to do so, and I have every belief that I will be, I will serve the other two years I am eligible to serve as chair of the BOP. And then following that, David Trot will be no longer able to run as treasurer. And I've been treasurer of everything. So I think treasurer looks like a really safe place for me to go. I know how to do it. You get a lot of staff support for it at the national level, so it's not nearly so hard as it is oh, at yeah. the local level, right? You you just gotta do all the committees. Yeah. You just gotta. Yeah. You just gotta show up for everything and pay attention, understand the process, and communicate it. But really, (laughs) staff does the lion's share of the work. That position is probably actually better supported than any position in the organization, as it kind of should be. Aside from all that, I said, "There's my plan, gang," and I'm going to do that ever how many terms I'm I'm well and enthusiastic. And, and because I'm already 68 years old, so you know, you gotta think about this stuff a little. So I said, I'm gonna I'll do that as long as I'm comfortable and well and having fun, and then I'm gonna retire because I'll have served on the board and it'll be fun and it'll be over. And then I'll just lay back and be critical of everybody. So that was my plan. And, and the person who was talking to me at that particular point said, I don't think that's gonna do us any good. <laughs> I said, Well what do you mean? I'm a great treasurer. <laughs> and a lot of that, no, he said, that's not gonna do us any good. We actually we actually need you to become president. And I said, Well, I'm not running for president. Dan Spoon's running for president. <laughs> I'm not running against Dan. That's really dumb. I said, right. No, that's not what we mean, he said. <laughs> we need you to put yourself in line so you could become president. I, Oh, okay. Well, let's see. You don't think treasurer to president is a reasonable option? Yes, but you're not likely to do it that way. (laughs) You don't have time to do that. So I thought, oh, you know, now we're going to drag the actuarial table into this, are we? um, So I said, okay, well, you know, I'll continue to think about it. Well, you need to think about it hard because we're coming back. So I I ran through all the people who, um, of course, we had an incumbent, and I talked about that, and and I ran through all the other people who I thought could run, and there were reasons they no no no. So you got to do this. So I thought, all right, I'll, they're not going to go away, so I will have a conversation with Dan Spoon because, not that Dan wouldn't be politically correct about it, he would never probably tell me don't run. But, you know, you should be able to read in um, a person's level of support for you.
0: Sure, exactly.
1: And you you also, um, Dan and I have always been very candid with each other, and I would certainly begin this conversation by saying, Dan, I I need you to actually talk to me. I'm not going to go back to the organization and say, I tried to serve and Dan Spoon that I couldn't. Um, So I said, I'm not going to do you in if you say, holy crow, that's a really bad idea. Um, so I said, um, here's, here's all the thinking, here's what people are talking to me about, here's, here's my view of this and, and my plan and everything. And so I said, so what do you think? And he said, well, I only have one question for you. And I said, what, well, what's that? I mean, I'm pretty ready for some big question. he goes, are you willing to be president after you've been first vice president? Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, that's a really important question because um, um, the answer needs to be yes, because that, not that you have to do it that way, but that's the most logical way to get your next president is from your first or second vice president. And so... um, And in many organizations, it's from the first vice president. But I do know organizations where you serve in those positions, and there isn't that expectation. Yeah, Um, and that's not how Dan got there either. And it's not how Dan got there exactly either. Right. It it, it typically has not been the way in ACB, but uh, it it certainly is the way to prepare for a logical succession. Right. And so Dan's interested in, in doing that. So his question was... He said, that doesn't mean you you will be, but the question is, are you willing to be? Because he Mm -hmm. said, if you're not willing to be, I don't think you should run. And if you are willing to be, then I absolutely want you to run. But he said, I want you to decide based on all the factors you've put up, but but I want you to add that one in. I said, okay, I will go off and think about that. And so he was very neutral and everything, but um, I went. My sources, of course, came back, and they well. Did you talk to Dan? <laughs> yes, I did. I talked to Dan. What did Dan say? So I told them what Dan said. Well, he's right, you know. Okay, fine, yeah. So we kind of went almost up to the last minute, and then and then I finally decided. Okay, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Um, <laughs> I I do feel strongly about this. I can get there from anywhere. I don't have to get there at all. It doesn't matter to me. I'm okay. It's not like my life goal. But if I am going to at some point serve the organization in that way, I'd really like to be in a position to have had the mentoring from Dan um, over and above um, kind of anyone we've had recently in, in those roles or anyone we might have in the future that I can think of in those roles. So um, it would be really ideal to me to have that opportunity. I'm not going to run for any of the other positions on the board because the candidates are all stronger and and that's just my personal opinion. Um, People would debate that. I'm not looking for debate on it. That's the place where I believe I could potentially leverage the, the connections and support that I do have and and yes i'm coming from not having been on the board but you know you got to come somewhere and there's nothing that's ever said you have to work your way up through the whole board to get there see oh that's the other piece that's important i would have been happy to run for a board seat but i cannot because um jeff bishop is there so i yes, can't and run. the a- and the constitution right. um prevents that from happening since right. jeff is from Washington now instead of right. Arizona. Right, exactly. So right. so that I that's a very important piece because I, the the really logical thing to have done would have been to run for the board and then even maybe soon run for an office. But run for the board because right now we've got these one year places on the board potentially, that'd be a pretty slick, you know or yeah. three year things. That'd You're be right. a pretty slick move. So I would have been very willing and very happy. So I, I don't want anyone to think that I sort of presumptuously said, well, I better start as near the top as I can. There is the actuarial table, and I do need to remember that my time is, you know, <laughs> running out. But, but aside from that, I would have absolutely started on the board, but I could not. So when it boiled down, if I was going to run this year, I had to pick an officer to run against. I decided that this was the best place for me to, to take that um to take that shot. And if I lost, you know, I absolutely was going to still be welcome to serve on the board of publications and I would do so and all of that and 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 have no frustration with it and try again later. But, you know, it was like, no, we'll try it now. And I am a big risk taker, so that's how it happened. So, what are some of the things that you would like to see happen in the next couple of years in ACB? Um, I, I mean, it would be very hard to say. Well, uh, I've got, I've got these you mm-hmm. know, five things I'd like to right. see happen, but but just yeah, because sort of the really the membership ultimately decides kind of what happens, right. and right. so. Um, but I think the thing that we are. Um, looking at is um, managing a lot of change Um, and you know there's there's this whole thing of um, um, the voting that just changed Um, there are other things that are likely to change certainly the way we do conventions is going to change we are right now looking at, and and there are people who are way ahead of us on this, so this is comforting to know, um, we're looking at a lot of data on the having of, um, of hybrid conventions, that is a virtual component and an in-person component. Um, there are many organizations, um, <clears throat> both somewhat similarly situated to us and very different, but that are doing this, and so there's a lot of data out there And I'm a big data person, so so we're looking at um, a lot of this to try to form, you know, what would be the best experiment for us. Um, We have hotel obligations through 2025, so we know that our convention's in-person component is going to look something like it does today for a while, Um, but it may not forever, you know, but but it will for a while, because we have some hotel obligations, which we might be able to adjust some, but we won't adjust totally. So, so there's some element of sameness that's going to be there for quite some time. Um, but there's some other things that may be changing. The dynamic of who our organization is, is changing. Um, this year, we had a huge jump, uh, in attendance of people under the age of 45 at our virtual convention. Way, huge jump. Um, And so that dynamic and that element of who we are is changing um, incredibly much. Um, How our organization operates in general has changed so much. Um, You mentioned the open board meetings. Um, and other kinds of things that are, you know, so much more open uh, to, to everyone to either participate in or at least listen to. Um, so that changes, uh, that changes the dynamic of what people know and how people operate together and what people do. It makes the world smaller and makes it less elite, frankly. Um, and um, and, and I, I welcome that personally. I mean, I have no problem with it um but um, but it also poses sometimes some challenges, so I think there's a lot of different dynamic that's happening, and I think the overarching goal is to um manage that activity in a way that moves us forward and helps us to um, to to strengthen and to be. Um, to be a, a, a good steward of our resources and a good player in the environment and um, and meeting the needs of our members um, you know um, thinking think trying to think more outside of the box in terms of so if we have these new tools or newer tools or better tools that we're able to engage with how do we do that in a way that works how do we how do we look at our affiliate structure? Um, you know, we have state affiliates uh, that are based on geography and we have um, special interest affiliates, which are based on some commonality, some component of, of interest or lifestyle or hobby or something, you know, employment sometimes, uh, but different, different issues that people have identified as a common thread. Um, as we become sort of more virtual and more fluid, um, is it possible that the um, geographic component will change sort of its role? I don't know that it will. I'm not insisting that it do or asking it to, but will it, or do we need to help it do that? There's nothing like the geographic role for um, in-person relationship, and there's nothing like the geographic role for work in the local legislatures, but you know, what, what other dynamics are there for that that geographic role that might change or might be different or might be emphasized different. How do we also get our, we have a big increase in members at large uh, due to a variety of things, due to the virtual convention for one thing, due to the community calls, activities, due to some other things that have happened in the organization, uh, some of which I'm not even entirely sure of, but those two components we know we can trace back to growth in membership at large so how do we um how do we deal with that um that is not a bad thing but do we do we try to um help that larger membership at large assimilate into the existing um, affiliates we have or are there some gaps that need to be filled in that way or is membership at large just completely viable and and it's not an issue or a concern or problem um, you know, those are things we don't really have the answers to yet. Um, but they're things I think we should kind of think about and, and they will impact our, um, our infrastructure and our structure and our way of thinking and relating over time if it continues. So we need to think about, uh, what, what are those impacts and how do we play them well, uh, for the organization? What, what will it look like, you know? In, in time um the organization has some revenue goals and some growth goals and some other goals that have been established um you know how are are those uh, right over time are those trajectories things that we will be able to meet are we meeting them at any cost that we haven't quite considered you know we're getting there but maybe Maybe at a cost that we hadn't foreseen. So those are all things you think about, I think, in a sort of a strategic management um, way. Um, And then, of course, we're guided by what does the organization pass as resolutions? Um, what, What do we, who comes into leadership? Um, you know, because we, we keep having, I mean, we'll continue now to resume elections. <laughs> we, had a yes. little, we had to take a little vacation on that one, but we're not anymore. So um, we'll be having those task forces, and they'll be figuring out recommendations, and we'll continue electing people. And it's always a challenge when your leadership keeps changing, you know, which this organization does allow for. Um and so, there's a lot of things out there to think about. There really are. Mm-hmm. Yes, there certainly are. And yeah. uh, you you list them and and sum them up pretty clearly. And mm-hmm. uh, these are a lot of a lot of major things that will be discussed mm-hmm. in both the the large picture and the and the mm-hmm. smaller steps that take to get to through mm-hmm. all of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that we've um've we've really enjoyed having you on on Sanprint and chatting about all of this, and I know that there's going to be opportunities in the future for us to discuss uh, some of these issues as they come forward. So thank you and uh, hopefully we'll be um, we'll be working with you on the KCB convention. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, Sounds good. Thank you so much, and um, congratulations. Thank you so much.
0: Page three. I'm
1: speaking with Kenneth Simeon, who is one of the new members of the ACB Board of Directors. Kenneth was elected in July at the uh, 2021 virtual conference and convention of the American Council of the Blind, and we are really pleased to have Kenneth on the board. Kenneth is from Beaumont, Texas, and he's with us today to kind of introduce himself to our listeners. Some of you have probably heard him on Soundprints before. He's been on our program several times over the years, but he'll be new to some of you as well. So, Welcome, Kenneth. We're so glad you're here.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me today.
1: Kenneth, let's begin by you just introducing yourself.
2: Well, I'm from uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana originally, and I've been in Texas for nearly 45 years of my young life. And uh, so I'm the last of 12 siblings. Uh, We happen to have uh, six girls and six boys uh, uh, that were born into this family. And uh, so you could imagine how the uh, things went in that house uh, as children. But we weren't all there at the same time. Some of them were—they're much older than me. My oldest brother is 82 years old, and I'm a young guy of 60 years old. So wow, uh, yeah. But uh, we are—you know—really connecting better as adults uh, these days. Uh, you know, and the age doesn't make a difference in our family now. But I'm a proud grandfather of two, my grandson that's about to be 18 in a few months, and my granddaughter just became nine in August, and uh, so proud of them, just glad to have them in my life. They really give me hope, gave me hope after I experienced vision loss in 2002. Uh, So... Yeah, I worked for. I uh, started off with the Southwest, with Southwestern Bell, local telephone company, and uh, ended up uh, switching to AT&T. The name changed uh, within my 22-year tenure, and from Southwestern Bell, to SBC, to AT&T. Now we're back to AT&T. Although <laughs> I'm not at work, you know, now I am still, you know, receiving payment, and also uh, as uh, a person that's uh, enjoying life now, pretty much it, with a lot of volunteer work. Family life has been very important to me, so in the midst of all of my volunteer work uh, in the community, locally, uh, on the state, I serve on several committees outside of our organization, and just trying to help in uh, various ways uh, for people with disabilities to have a greater uh, life uh, and try to make sure we do work together collaboratively to advocate effectively for all uh, to have equal access to things we need access to. You know, I worked in Beaumont for for years, and all of a sudden, my job transferred me to Houston. And so while being there, uh, it was wintertime, and all of a sudden, I contracted uh, meningitis. A severe case of it that prompted a hospital stay. And it was all so sudden. I was putting in a lot of work hours, and I thought, maybe I'm just tired because I'm not um, sleeping enough and all that. But really, uh, something was going on that, that I didn't know of and began to... Uh, just experienced some negative feelings, uh, loss of taste, and, and other things started happening that were kind of strange. So I knew I needed to get checked out. But one day I just happened to come home from work and listening to the news, they were talking about the many cases they had of meningitis in Houston where some of the younger uh, people were passing away. And so I didn't know much about it, but I learned from that time, just coming home at the right time and listening. And after that I said, that's what I'm dealing with, all the symptoms. Severe headaches, uh, stiff neck, uh, loss of taste and smell—those uh, kind of things—and I didn't know what was going on. But they explained it all that day. So after that, uh, that evening, I knew the next morning I needed to get uh, to see a doctor and get things checked out. It certainly
1: was ACB's lucky day when you came to ACB. So that—that that was a—that was a good thing. That first timers program is, is done as well.
2: <laughs> yes, my uh, affiliate president encouraged me to apply, apply for that award. I didn't understand what it was about, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I was reluctant because it's almost like I was having to brag about myself, and and I was trying. I didn't want to be perceived as arrogant when you put all these great things about yourself in the letter of application. And she told yes. me that's what you have to do. She Carol Edwards was, was serving on that committee at that time. Oh yeah, and so today yeah. I'm very glad that she encouraged me to apply. I was selected and uh, had the greatest experience in 2010 in Phoenix, Arizona, and have been coming back every year. Looking forward to it.
1: Now, you are on the ACB board. You actually ran for the board in Rochester. That was your first time running for something, and I think I recall that it was a pretty close election. It
2: was a very close election, it was so sudden you know, yeah. uh, that position came open all of a sudden. Uh, but yeah. the, the night before, I just, uh, I don't know, a couple days before, uh, the conversation had gone on, uh, about, about this possibility. And so I decided to go for it. Yeah. So, uh, 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 it was interesting. I thought it was a very competitive race. And I'm telling you, it was, so, I had to think a lot of applying again and trying it again because it became so close. That meant I had had some people really considering me, you know. Mm-hmm. to serve, mm-hmm. you know, so I was yeah. happy about that. I, I felt no. this was my time though. I came back uh, uh, because I was going to run in 2020 and then we didn't have elections. So I decided right. to come back and I feel like this was my time to to try to serve on the national level because I had served as affiliate president for three terms, which was six years, been a president of my chapter since we got started back in 2009. And some of the things I had done and gotten uh, involved in uh, even served on our ACB membership committee, which that was a great, great assignment for me. Started joining some of our special interest affiliates and uh, just mm-hmm. was excited about everything that was going on. Tell
1: us about you know, hobbies and um, that maybe just things that outside of ACB that you've participated in over the years.
2: Yeah, well, one thing, uh, I am a singer, and I was always in the choir, even from early on in my elementary years. Um, enjoyed that. I uh, have been a part of several bands, uh, with several of my brothers being a part of that too. And we participated in a number of talent shows. And so that was a great thing in my younger years uh, to enjoy. But uh, so I enjoy music, love music, all types of music. And uh, But you played
1: in the band. I
2: actually played in the band, uh, uh, but I sang really in the, the ones I was oh, speaking of. But okay. I actually played in the band in eighth grade. I was a, a trumpet player and okay. really. I was going to go into that dire- direction for a while, but ultimately most of my musical background is singing. Really? Yeah. Other than that, I just loved from a young age, I really, I, uh, my mom, we lost my mom when I was just, I had just become nine in December. She passed away the next month, but I remember some things that she did, volunteering and helping the homeless, and, and even though I was young, I paid attention to some of those things, so I started volunteering at a young age, uh, helping out in any way I could in the midst of the challenges I was facing back then. And I've gone on to do a lot of that before I came to ACB, and still doing some things outside of uh, the blindness community that will make a difference for people. Uh, and I just feel like it's a good thing for me to do, give back, find ways that I can give back through the challenges I've faced. I try to help other people who have gone through some tough times and feel like uh, they're alone. I can tell them you're not. I've been there. So many things that I've experienced and came out of in a positive way. Uh, I'm just continuing to be excited about the positive change that is able to come to us.
1: So tell us about some of those things that are the, the other, your other projects, as if ACB doesn't take up enough time. <laughs>
2: Yes. Well, I actually serve as president of the Board of Directors for the Coalition of Texans with Disabilities. I've been with them since 2006 as a member. I served on the board, and then I became the board president. uh, And they just do some great advocacy work. Our state Mm -hmm. organization is a member of that uh, coalition, uh, and they advocate on behalf of all people with disabilities. That's why I love being a part of that. Uh, It's just a great thing. It it doesn't require as much work uh, as my ACB work does. Uh, but it's just a great thing to be a part of. Uh, I serve on the Regional Council on Aging and Disability in my area through the Area Agency on Aging. And I am, have been chair of the disability section since 2011, and it's just been a great ride with them. I've told them often, out of all the volunteer work I, am in, and I get involved with, I I had to let some things go. That would be one that I just would not let go of. They were mm-hmm. This is a group of people, about 24 folks that work well together love the bylaws, and everybody understands the purpose uh, for being there, and everybody contributes. We never have uh, disagreements uh, because we all disrespect one another's opinion, uh, and it's just been a great, great thing to be a part of.
1: Okay. Well, those those are good things and good contacts for uh, ACB of Texas as well. Definitely. Did you have other interests?
2: Uh, yeah, I like traveling. I, I always did want to travel. When I was first uh, knowing, I was coming up to graduation time, I said, I want to get a job that would allow me to travel. Working for the <laughs> telephone company actually gave me that opportunity. I traveled through the years and also did a lot of traveling with my church, being involved with the church. I did a lot through the church, being fundraising director, a Sunday school teacher, working in the business office and all that. All of that was some good things for me in my young years that years that really taught me some things that I could apply uh today even in anything that I'm a part of but uh yeah it's just some of those great things that uh you just uh, that come across your path that you just are glad when you look back uh how it made it played a big part in your life and so getting involved with so many other things uh uh' it's good to have some variety in your life uh, so but, well, uh, but
1: what did you what did you do with a t and t
2: well, actually, I had uh, several positions through my 22 years. I actually mm-hmm. started off in operator services as a telephone operator. That was not the job I wanted, okay? <laughs> I, actually, <laughs> I actually wanted to be one of the technicians uh, because I was determined to make some money, and they made more money, but there, there was a lot of requirement on your time on that end. So uh, after I look back, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. So I came in the, in, in, in at that, that entry level and uh, ended up, Becoming a manager and uh, being a part of so many things that allowed me to just learn and grow in different departments. Uh, worked in sales, uh, and that, that sales really helped me out in various ways. Uh, and then the revenue management, uh, and that was so interesting to me. Uh, look at data, look at finances, and look at what we're trying to achieve. We're not in business just to say we're taking calls and things like that. So I've been a manager of operated services after I went to sales and came back uh, with the management position and uh, had some great teams. We had self-directed teams that I enjoyed working with. They always had great performance. And so when I got rewarded for their performance, my uh, it was viewed as my good performance. So I rewarded them when I was rewarded. And so I applied a lot of that uh, to even today, things that I'm a part of.
1: Well, Kenneth, congratulations on being elected to the ACB board. And, um, and we're really pleased that you're there, and we appreciate you taking time today to talk to us on SoundPrints and look forward to hearing a lot more about um, the the problems that you've been involved with, but also probably seeing some other new things coming along as well that you're uh, involved with.
2: So Yes, I believe that will happen, and I thank you so much for inviting me once again.
0: If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org.